Please stand for the reading of God's word. Good morning. We'll be reading from Luke seven eighteen through 35. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who, what, who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him. For she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I have entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. I love our church. I love our church. <laughs> Good morning, family of God. Are you ready for this? I'm excited about the word today. Aren't you excited about the word today? I am so excited about the word today. If you owed God a great debt and you're thankful that Jesus paid it, can I get an amen? amen? Amen. I need to pray. I need to pray. I want to preach the word faithfully. And so would you bow your head with me and pray so that we can begin our time? And then I would open us up and it will be a great time. It's going to be a great time, y'all. Let's pray. Father, you are Lord, King of kings, and gracious and humble And Father, I am so grateful today that today we get an opportunity to hear a word of grace. Lord, I pray today will be a day that people leave here feeling a sense that they can go in peace because of what Jesus has done for them on Calvary. And Father, I pray today that you would speak through me. And Lord, that you would anoint me. Give me a tongue of a disciple to restore the weary with a word. And Father, I pray that you would help us all, even me as I preach, to submit to what you have to say. And Father, I thank you again, and thank you, and thank you, 
like the woman here does for in gratitude and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we saw that Jesus himself pointed out that he had come eating and drinking in contrast to John the baptizer, a prophet from God, who was said to have a demon for his off-the-grid living. But Jesus was not doing that. Instead, he came eating and drinking, and they called him a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees couldn't make up their mind about what the real prophets of God really were. Does that sound familiar, church? As some of you know, in this room right now, who are far from God, and won't make up your mind about Jesus, even though he's made himself clear about who he is, sometimes it's hard for us to make up our mind about who Jesus really is. My hope today for you, then, is that you see Jesus in a new way. Now, in today's text, Jesus is invited to a house for some customary dining after preaching and teaching. Simon the Pharisee had been asking Jesus to come on by for a minute. The word in Greek insinuates that it was a continual ask to come on by. Now, the reason why was unknown. Maybe like Nicodemus, he was a curious Pharisee. Maybe he had been around and seen some of the miraculous things that Jesus did. Whenever Jesus showed up, people kept on getting healed. When he showed up to funerals, the dead got up out of that tomb, right? Or maybe Simon was one of those unimpressed by the show, but heard some of the authoritative teaching of Jesus, and he thought maybe this could be the Messiah. Or maybe he wanted to trap Jesus or catch him slipping so that his suspicions could be confirmed and he could still live in his unbelief. We don't know what his motives were because it doesn't specify. But we do know that Jesus dies with sinners, amen, of many kinds. Simon is no different. That warrants for us to pause and say, Jesus dines with stuck-up religious and social elites, and Jesus dines with the poor and the lowly. So if you're mad and you have problems with either or, then know that Jesus is in both of those spaces. Now, Jesus was reclining at table, which we have to not think about our kitchen tables, okay? We have to think about theirs. Theirs was on the ground. They would put their left arm on the table. I just got a lot louder, didn't I? And they ate with their hand, barbecue style. Unless you're kind of like one of those like dignified folk, <laughs> like to use a fork and knife. I don't know how you do that. I got the barbecue. I'm, I'm, they would have had their feet out 
unsued, unlike me right now. Because them things was dusty. They was stanky. Them things need to stay at the door. So Jesus was reclining at the table, which was most likely called a couch. And as they were reclining at the table, a simple woman, uh, the word Greek in, in the Greek used here, was ex- used to explain a sinner who is in habitual and grievous sin, most likely connected to immoral living, which is why some scholars believe she must have been a prostitute and why there was no need to explain who she was because she was known by this particular sin. Some in tradition think this might be Mary of Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out. But this is only speculatory. But in any way, this simple woman who had heard through the grapevine, and heard it through the grapevine, y'all might not know that song, that's all right, that Jesus was going to be at Simon's house, makes her way back to the back wall of the room. In Jesus' day, these dinners were a big deal. They were open to the public. But if you were not an honored guest, you had to remain on the back wall of the house. But because Jesus is there, and she sees Jesus, and the fact that she has, that nothing has been done to honor him, she just starts breaking inside and has the audacity and the courage to do something about it. Speaking of breaking, there's three things that are breaking in this woman. First, her soul breaks. Verse 38 says that she was standing at the feet of Jesus. No longer on the back wall was this woman. She was at the feet of Jesus. And she just starts weeping. But this weeping isn't just any old weeping, y'all. This word is used in the book of James to explain what happened when Elijah, when Elijah called out to heaven, when he called out to heaven and the rain came down in abundance. It was no light drizzle of tears, y'all. This is one of those nasty good cries. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And it's just flowing on down. This was a watershed moment for her. Tears poured down. Her tears gushed forth like a broke dam broke forth water, rushing water of thankfulness and gratitude came forth from her eyes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And some of you in here want that for yourself right now. You just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. You just want to sit and just break. You want to let the the tears fall in gratitude. Some of you know you ain't right with Jesus. And you messed your life up. Big time. Continually caught in sin after sin after sin. And you want a way out. But I got good news for you today, church. 
You ready for this? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And how much more beautiful are the feet of Jesus whose feet were dirty and nasty in this moment. Think about that. Y'all catch that? Jesus' feet is dirty and nasty. And yet it's the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. You see, she was seeing with her spiritual eyes. Her eyes were open. And I'm not talking about some like third eye, new age religion stuff. I'm talking about as she came to Jesus in humility, God granted her the ability to see what was in fact the reality that Jesus in his holiness and grace was displaying at that time. As soon as she saw the feet of Jesus, she was overcome with the beauty of the feet that had brought the good news to her. And she couldn't help but respond in the way that she did. Secondly, she breaks her hair. Breaks her hair loose. Loose. Scholars agree that many women in those days in that culture didn't let their hair down all willy-nilly. A woman's hair was her dignity. Still is sometimes, right? It's for me too sometimes. I like my hair. <laughs> she takes her dignity and she lays it at the feet of Jesus. Wiping up Jesus' tear soaked feet with her hair. That's love, y'all. Some love. And after kissing Jesus' feet continually, the word insinuates continually, she does the unthinkable. Thirdly, she takes a jar and she breaks it. Now, this jar was expensive, y'all. Like a bag, expensive. She probably had pride in it like a gold chain or a Gucci bag. Women in the city in those days used to walk with the perfume around their neck. And this wasn't some like Dior or Versace or something like that. Some, some, some cologne perfume put in a cheap bottle. No, this stuff was pure. So it had to be put in an alabaster jar which had a thin neck. And when she sees Jesus and his feet, she takes that jar and she breaks it and pours out what is probably the equivalent to a year's worth of wages. She just breaks it and counts it all loss in comparison to what she is beholding right now, right in front of her. Now understand this, y'all. The bottle was partly her life's work. Probably one of the only things that gave her peace of mind. That what she was doing was worth something. But in the crazy twist of events, whatever dirt she did to earn it was now being cleansed as it anointed Jesus' feet. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Whatever dirt she did to earn 
that alabaster flask. She pours it on Jesus' feet. And her act of worship is cleansing her. Could you imagine the aroma that this is putting off? A fragrant offering in probably a stinky room. It was like the force was being unleashed in that room. The power of God unleashed. The Holy Spirit is raining down on that room. The floodgates of heaven were opening up. Which is why what happens next is even more tragic and heartbreaking. While the sinful woman is having a moment, Simon is over there hating. Mm. like a Japanese inner monologue anime inner monologue ever seen that before Japanese animation happens and all of a sudden no way if this man were a prophet he would have known who and what sort of woman this was touching him she is a sinner (laughs) but he didn't he didn't he didn't even stop to consider that Jesus might have known exactly what was going on and was allowing it to happen anyways. For the Pharisee, touching a sinful woman was a nightmare. For them, if they were to even touch someone who was supposedly sinful or was actually sinful, then they would have to go into a cleansing pool and have a long ritual before they could even enter into the temple again. So it's just much easier to avoid the sinful than it was to be touched by them. So, of course, no holy man or prophet should be associating with a lowly, sinful woman, right? Well, Jesus responds to that. Jesus hears his mind. You see the irony of that? Though this man is calling him not a prophet in his mind... Jesus reads his mind and says to Simon, I have something to say to you. And the word Luke used to display Simon's response was respectful, actually. He says, say it, teacher. And Jesus then proceeds to talk that talk with a parable. A word directly to Simon, full of love, conviction, and grace. Just as a true prophet of God would do. He says in verses 41 through 43, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Now pause. The purpose of this parable parable is not to make a statement about how one attains greater affection for Christ. But instead, a chance for Simon 
and the reader to realize their need for Jesus. The key to greater love is not the fact that you have some amazing, extraordinary kind of testimony, although it is quite often that those who do tend to have a great love and affection for Jesus. But instead, the key is that the more you know how great a debt you really have been saved from, the more love starts to flow out of your life. I'm going to say that again. The key is that the more you know how great a debt you really have been saved from, the more love starts to flow out of your life. So do not leave here thinking, I got to sin big in order to have some kind of great love for Christ. Romans Christ, 6 says, Romans no, 6 no, no, says, no, 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 no. We do not sin so that grace may abound. Friend, your sin debt is already a bag. It's 500 denarii big. And that is why Jesus had to go to the cross for you. If we knew how great a debt that was, we would not even be able to stop the amount of love and gratitude that would fill even this room. Could you imagine for a second what would happen if Wells Fargo or Chase Bank or your rental property owner said your rent has been paid for you for all of time? Hey, glory, glory. I got somebody in here, sister. Glory. Or you received a letter from your mortgage saying your debt has been paid. We would all be in here dancing around. We couldn't stop what was going on in here. We'd be full with the Holy Ghost. And we'd be saying, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen, church. <laughs> Boy, I couldn't tell you nothing. I couldn't tell you nothing. You'd be running up and down these halls. You'd be on TikTok and Instagram. You'd be like... TikTok and then Instagramming, praying hands, subtitle, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. My mortgage is paid off. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. That's what we'd be doing. But I want you to get this. Jesus gave you something more than just paying off material debts. Jesus paid the ransom price for your eternal soul, a debt that you could not pay on your own, even if you worked 24-7, 365 for your whole life doing righteous deeds, sun up to sun down. It still wouldn't be enough. But Jesus came and he took that bill that was served to you and he pulled out his wallet And he handed them a card to an extremely valuable blood bank, which ironically was filled with his blood, and said, this will cover the cost. If only you would believe. That's all you have to do is believe. Trust in the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Now, there's a contrast here between the woman and Simon. So, again, what is important about the parable is to get us 
and Simon, who was there at the time, to understand that the more we think our sin is small and insignificant, or even zero, the less one loves, and the fruit is evident for all to see. Verses 44 through 47 drives this home. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, not her house, but your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them off with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Jesus didn't say here that her sins were not important. Jesus acknowledged and was fully aware that her sins were many. Much like Jesus is aware of our sin. But do you see this woman? Because Simon was blind to this woman. Simon wasn't seeing the big picture that his actions were a snapshot of his heart towards Jesus, the Son of God. Simon did not do what was customary. What was customary was that a servant should have greeted a person with Jesus' stature at the door should have taken some water and poured the water on his feet. The host should have extended a kiss, probably putting his hand on his shoulder and welcomed Jesus into his home. Someone should have anointed Jesus' head with at least an inexpensive oil, like olive oil. But Simon did none of that. The women did all, the woman did all of that and even saw herself unfit to touch his head. She would take the feet. It's like if you came to my house and I didn't welcome you at all. I didn't offer you a drink at all. No food or snacks at all or nothing. Didn't greet you with a hug, a handshake or a dap or any kind. You'd be wondering, man, who's this dude? Does he even like me? Does he even want me at his house? Oh, I feel so unwelcome here. Mm. I'm kind of salty about that. The way that Simon acted in the scene proved Simon didn't really love Jesus. Instead of seeing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away his sins, and therefore responding in this way that the women did, he instead did nothing and even less than what would be fitting for a normal, honorable person. That is what self-righteousness does. It minimizes sin so much in my life that ultimately you begin to lose love for the things that matter most. Simon, 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 Jesus is right in front of you. 
the one you supposedly said you were waiting for. Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, and you just missed him. Do you see this woman, friends? Her sins were many, yes, but she knew she was forgiven much, so she loved much. Look at verse 47. Verse 47 reads, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. If you have your Bibles or your bulletin, you might want to circle that word for. To clarify here, Jesus is not saying some kind of works-based kind of religion or righteousness. Luke would have been rebuked for teaching such a thing by his disciple or Paul. Jesus in every single New Testament writer points to the grace that saves us being prevenient like Brother John Mark had taught us some weeks ago. The grace that came before our faith. So this for then, what is it for? Well, it is actually the evidence or the supporting clause for the case that those who know they are forgiven people love much. In context, we see what Jesus is truly thinking here. And all you have to do is look at the next phrase. But he who is forgiven little loves little. So if you replace little with much, then you get the gist of what Jesus is saying. Not because she loved much that she is saved, but the evidence of her faith has been proved by the type of love she responded to the grace of God with. Friends, she must have heard Jesus speak somewhere at some time. She must have been around when Jesus was speaking truth in in his sermons. She might have been around when Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If she truly was a prostitute, could you imagine a man speaking that word to you? Could you imagine being a woman cast out, not accepted by the society from which she lived in? And here comes a man saying, come to me. Come to me. A religious man at that. That she could come near and she could find rest, forgiveness, and mercy. Maybe for the first time, that was the time she went to bed and she rested on her bed and she was alone. And so when she hears... That the person who gave her peace that day is reclining at a table in her neighborhood. She comes running to the spot. And when everyone else is leaving Jesus' feet dirty and nasty, she said, not on my watch. Uh Uh-uh. And when everyone else is judging Jesus, saying in verse 49, who is this who even forgives sins? She is, without saying a word, 
preaching a sermon about how a sinner ought to respond to the grace of God manifest in Jesus Christ. She's saying, I'm going to give Jesus, the lover of my soul, the very best I got. I just got to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for saving me. And in that moment, she hears the most comforting thing she's ever heard in her life. Verse 48 says, your sins are forgiven. And verse 50 says, go in peace. And that word in Greek probably means peace and prosperity. Now, friends, this woman gets it. Amen. She gets it. She sees Jesus for who he is. I'm going to close today by asking you a couple questions. And I would like to invite the worship team to come up right now. And I, 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 I want to just invite you to think about this. Are you ready for these questions, church? This is for you. This is for me. When Jesus comes and reclines at table with you, how will you respond? Do you see Simon in you? Is Jesus just somebody that maybe I kind of want to evaluate? I want to make sure he's truly a prophet of God. I want to make sure that what he says and does lines up with it. Or do you see yourself like this woman when Jesus comes and dines at the table? Gives up everything she has, breaks an alabaster flash, takes down her hair, weeps tears of joy and gives it all to Jesus. Because Jesus truly is the one who has authority to forgive sins. He is the one who can pronounce a blessing of peace in our lives. While the world, the social elite, and sometimes the uh, religious elite reject him, Jesus still came down and got his feet dirty for us. So for me, for me, I'm going to serve I'm going to praise the Lord, and I'm going to thank the Lord with all I got. What about you, church? I want more of that for my heart. Amen? If you want that for your heart, can I get an amen? Can I get a thank you, Jesus? Amen. Amen. Lord, let's pray. Lord, thank you. I want to be... Like this woman, who when seeing Jesus, did not wait for other people to get it right. Did not wait for somebody else next to me to start praising you. Start thanking Start thanking you. Give everything I have. everything I have. Father, I pray I'll be like this woman, who knew her sins were many. And yet came to you and threw herself on your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would receive me. And I know that you will. And receive my friends with the same kind of grace and love that you did for this woman. 
For our sins are many. Our sins are many. And your mercy is more. So, Father, I pray this all in Jesus' precious name today. And all of God's people say,